that Sonic the Hedgehog movie poster is making me feel genuinely sick. I don't want to body shame Sonic the Hedgehog, but those muscular legs and that horrible Pika Man style body with the big swollen head, I feel quite literally queasy. I, I can tell you exactly what that Sonic movie poster made me think of, and it's that uh, that image on the internet of a very sad-looking young child in a Sonic like dress-up Halloween costume <laughs> with the text next to it that says, "No matter how ru- fast I run, I can't outrun my feelings." Yeah, <laughs> like that's what it looks like to me. Is it's like that's a sad human child body that you stuck a hedgehog head on. Did you see the second poster? Yeah. Because for people who aren't aware, a poster for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie came out, and even though we already have a design for Sonic the Hedgehog, this is something that Hollywood doesn't quite understand. We've already (laughs) got a design for Sonic the Hedgehog. We've got several flavours to choose from, in fact. And they're all pretty good. They all pretty much do the fucking job, but no. They, (laughs) probably due to fucking a group of executives designed by committee, focus group tested bullshit. We've got a big Sonic head and they tried to proportion the body and give him like longer arms and legs. And and it's so muscular looking. We haven't seen full detail. It's quasi silhouette. He's got kind of porny legs. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's not got enough fluff on him. He looks too much like a human wearing, like, a jumper. I actually went and compared it to some Rule 34. <laughs> Even the silhouette is uh, is skirting the uncanny valley to, a bit too closely. Yeah. It's upsetting. Uh, I went and checked out some Rule 34 because I was going to do a side-by-side comparison, but none of them could be cropped in a way that would show off the body and not have a giant <laughs> penis bigger than either of his legs. I don't know what it is. It's like... I always feel that, like, if you're doing furry porn, which is fine, you know, perfectly acceptable, um, you don't need a massive dick the size of a lamppost either. I feel like it's greedy. What if you like furry stuff and you like dicks the size of legs? Hard? Did you ever think... Yeah. Let people have what they like. It's hurting no one for Sonic the Hedgehog to have a 12-foot dick. It would probably hurt him when he tries to walk, scraping that fucking thing along the floor. (laughs) No, it's fine. I am I am making fun, but I feel like sometimes the Venn diagram yeah. <laughs> between people who like penises the size of a school bus and furry porn is sometimes very close to a circle. Um, and that's fine. You know, it just makes it very hard for me to tweet a side by side comparison. When I want, what I want to know is when you have a twelve foot penis, like in those fan arts, how do you um? When you're just going about your normal everyday business, do you like wrap it around your leg like a snake or I think you put I think you put it down one of your trouser legs and you just wear very baggy trousers so that it's not particularly obvious. Like you wear some like big baggy nineties uh, skater jeans. Yeah. I've seen pictures of people that like pump and put things in their genitalia to expand them to about the size of a I would I wanna say a sheet. <laughs> Oh. Like massive. Yeah. It. I. I. I don't quite know what they get out of doing that, or if it's just for the sheer excess of it, and that is its own thing. But I mean, it's so. I don't know how they cope. I mean, it's temporary, I assume, but I don't know even for that moment how they cope. I'm just picturing someone getting an erection. The blood all goes to their huge penis, and they just pass out because there's not enough to be in the rest of the body. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Maybe that's the goal. Maybe it's like a, you know, an opt-out button. 
It's like, oh, fuck this shit. Let's get a boner and just fall asleep. Long story short, a lot of source filmmaker porn of Sonic the Hedgehog has the same proportions as that poster. If, if you have an interest in video game porn, I occasionally do a YouTube review show with two people called Pixel Squirt where we will review video game porn. So <laughs> and some of them are on YouTube and I think some of them are on Pornhub. So Lovely. that's a thing you can check out if you want. Just us talking about video game schlongs. Have you seen the second poster for Sonic the Hedgehog? Yes, yeah. I have. It's almost worse. I mean, I made it worse because, I mean, I- I'm a bit hypocritical talking about giant dicks, or this is wasn't the size of a bus. Um, I did insert a blue, I pixelated it for Twitter, a blue penis in between his legs. It was just asking for it. The second one's even worse because you can see his. he's actually got hairy legs. Yeah. His hairy blue legs. Nothing wrong with hairy legs. I mean, I've got I've got hairy legs, but it's not like he's fluffy. It is just like his legs are painted blue, and he's got a bit of leg hair. It's weird and unsettling. I can't believe they've made Sonic a a, a big SJW like Laura. <laughs> Your blue hair. If you told me that they'd remade Harry and the Hendersons with the Blue Man Group. I'd have looked at that poster and said, yep, checks out. Uh. That checks out. Apparently, they spent a very long time designing his trainers, and they look shit. So, I, I, I only really just put it together the other day. Like, in the next year and a half, we are getting video game, like, movie, big screen movie adaptations of three of the big movie, like, video game properties all at once. We're getting P- Detective Pikachu... Sonic, and then I think in 2020 we get the uh, the Mario animated movie. Oh god, please don't tell me they're going to CGI Mario and make him like this. So, ma- the Mario one is entirely CGI, it's not trying to put Mario in the real world. Oh, okay. It's done by the people who made the Minions movie, so that's a thing to bear in mind. I never saw that. I saw Despicable Me and most of Despicable Me Part 2, The Quickening. I remember the first Despicable Me being a pretty well-put-together animated film. It was alright, it was alright. The second one, I remember nothing of. At least Bumblebee's got a good character model this time around. I haven't seen the movie yet, mind you, but apparently it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I have a lot more faith, a lot more hope for Detective Pikachu than I do for Sonic right now. Oh dear, yeah. Well, here's the thing. When it comes back to pod position, by the way, I'm Jim Sterling, I'm joined by Laura Kate Dale and uh, Miracle Sounds, Gavin. Um, hi, everyone. Hello. Hi. Hi. Right, the thing about the Sonic movie is it's not going to be good. I mean, I, it might be, but to me it's not a question of will it be good or bad. It's will it be just plain boring, dull, dreary bad, or will it be entertainingly bad? I don't have a question in my mind of whether it'll be good or bad, just whether it'll be an hilarious train wreck, which is what I ultimately want. The thing that's kind of sad is that, like, most Sonic stuff over the years has been, like, kind of bad. The most recent, like, the the Sonic Sonic Boom tie-in, like, animated kids show, I've watched an episode or two of it, It's not half bad, it's pretty well written with pretty good comedic timing. I've seen some clips and it does seem like it's actually got its shit together. It knows what it's doing, very self-aware. It's it's the first time that like I've seen a Sonic thing that is self-aware about the 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 awkwardness of much of the lore of that series. To the point where they've got an episode somewhat dedicated in spirit to Chris Chan. Indeed. And the thing is, like, that's never gonna be what this movie is. Because 
the best things that the Sonic brand has put out in the last few years are the Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter account and the Sonic Boom TV show. And neither, like, this this blockbuster movie is not allowed. It's not going to be allowed to be that self-aware. No, they're going to try and make him cool. And I argued this many, many years ago that Sonic would work better if we acknowledge that he was a product of the nineties and isn't cool. Yeah. And that's why you know things like the Twitter account work because there is that that layer of self-awareness in it. That could make a really cool movie. Sonic trying to deal with the fact that he's not cool anymore, and then you'd you'd end up rooting for him in that movie. This is what I was thinking is you could do like a fish out of water thing where it's like oh no he's he's gone through a portal he's now in the in the 2010s and he's like ah I am no longer cool and has to address that. He meets up with Wreck-It Ralph and they have similar existential crises together. Yeah do, do a sort of like yeah do a sort of Wreck-It Ralph-esque thing where the character is aware of the fact that they're washed up and not really relevant anymore. It should be a buddy cop movie with Sonic the Hedgehog and Duke Nukem both acknowledging <laughs> that they're old and past it and they're too old for this shit and they say that all the time and drink scotch. Now that's a fucking film right there. I want to see like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit-esque thing where Sonic is an actor who is still doing the Sonic games for a steady paycheck and he's like, this character, like, I'm getting nothing out of playing this role. This is a terrible role, but but I have to keep food on the table for my children and uh, there are a few roles for a blue hedgehog actor in this world. Yeah. Instead, we're getting essentially... Sonic body horror. Uh, Essentially, John Carpenter's The Thing, but with Sonic. <laughs> this is making me realise, I don't know if Sonic has, like, a canon backstory. Like, what? what is the origin story to Sonic? Did he get his blue hedgehog run fast power somehow? There was one written just for the West. Um, in the... It's not official. Uh, this is where the, the Eggman-Robotnik discrepancy came from, if I recall correctly. In that... Uh, he was originally Kintobor, Dr. Robotnik was originally Dr. Kintobor, and he made some machine. I'm going purely from memory of reading the leaflet as a kid, like the booklet in the game, uh, game case. Um, made a machine, it might have been something to do with, oh, he hated eggs as well, did Kintobor. Um, and he got caught in the experiment gone wrong and it turned him into the opposite of what he was. So he became Robotnik and he loved eggs and was mean. And Sonic got caught in the explosion as well, which is why he's a fast hedgehog. And that all took place on the planet Amobius. Well, the new lore for this movie, what actually happened is that he slithered out of James Wood's entrails in Videodrome. <laughs> and, and merged with the blue TV. Long live the Sonic Flesh. Or was it all hail the Sonic Flesh? It's been a while. Either way, it works. It's hail, I think, yeah. Hail. All, hail the the Sonic Flesh. I'll just, so long as I've said one variant of it, I'll put the correct one as the title of the episode, and then we're all good. Um, yeah, so that's good. In a terrible way. I, I don't want to think about that Sonic creature anymore, so let's move on. They cro you Cronenberg Sonic. What have you done? Yeah, Cronenberg Sonic. <laughs> Sonic the Cronenberg. Uh, so speaking of things that we got to see this week that, that I was not happy about seeing, there's 25 minutes of footage of Beyond Good and Evil 2 out there now, and... Uh... Which your which your really good friend let you know about, even though you probably had already got like six million things about it. <laughs> I I I knew the thing had happened. I had 
erased the date from my memory. Like, part of me was like, I, I, I shouldn't watch this. It's not going to be good. Um, so yeah, they showed 25 minutes of footage from a, from a demo. I have no idea right now how much of it is just, like, complete and utter tech bullshit and how much is actually in the game. It's Ubisoft, so there'll be a fair bit of dishonesty involved. Yeah, so if we are to believe what was shown in the demo, like... The game runs to a to such a point that you can fly up into space with no loading screens and look down at the Earth with a telescope and see individual vehicles driving around on the planet still. Did Sean Murray host this presentation? <laughs> so yeah, um, I'll watch the footage. Here's, here's what I took away from that 25 minutes. Um, it is much more of a Mass Effect style combat game than the original right. Beyond Good and Evil. Um, you have a jetpack and a gun and a sword at all times, and the whole thing is to do with augments, and like you're collecting augments to set up your, your weapon, and you're inspecting the enemy to work out what the augments they've got to make your augments beat theirs. Yeah. Sounds rife for microtransactions. It sounds like a big old microtransaction thing. Yeah, the combat... The combat, to me, and I know it's, it's in a very early stage, so it's probably not final, the movement and combat looked a little clunky to me, and... Uh, it was like they were trying to do the Assassin's Creed Odyssey-style combat movement, but it didn't seem to be quite flowing the same way. It looked like a mix of Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Mass Effect Andromeda, kind of? Yeah. And it, it's a bit weird. Um, so they, they talked about some things you can do in the game. And they, the things they talked about included, apparently you can just like decide to rob a bank if you want, because that's, that's very fitting with the theme of the first game of being a photojournalist taking down a corrupt evil space government. Oh yeah, yeah. Now, now, now you can just rob banks and shoot at the police and stuff. Two peas in a pod. Oh yeah, but it's even like Jade in this one is like super edgy emo Jade. She's like a- Avril Lavigne Jade now. Well... There's a thing about that. I don't know if you... Did you catch the thing they said, Gav, about clones? Yeah, and that pretty much she's seemingly going to be the antagonist in this one. So, yeah, they they just, like, very quickly dropped a line about the, uh, the, the, the characters that we recognise in the game, like Paige and Jade. Apparently, every character in this game, they said every character, is a clone. Alright. So what I took away from that is... This is not the Jade and Paige that will go on to be the ones we know in the original Beyond Good and Evil 2. This is, we cloned the universe and we're going to do a different story over here and we'll... And no matter what happens, it's like, oh no, but it doesn't matter that they're different characters because the Jade you know is over there. It's fine. You don't have to go see her. So this Jade is a twisted, vile mockery of her former self, which makes her perfect <laughs> for Beyond Good and Evil 2. Uh... Laura, I have a question for you. Yeah. In the lore of the original game, I can't remember, was Jade previously a pirate hunter or was her backstory kind of... Uh... There was there was nothing in her backstory in the original game to suggest that her... Like, that, that that's why the whole reveal in that E3 trailer was so shocking, is like the idea of her leading an army of the Doms is like, that that is not a thing that we knew about. Like, uh, there's references to her being... Uh, being referred to by another name and i suppose we like speculation i had before i heard that this was a clone oh and so we we should we should point out to people listening it's a prequel oh for god's sake yeah it's so the the thing that like i was initially speculating was 
we know that she had some mystery stuff in her past. Perhaps she was a general in charge of the Doms. Perhaps she was mind-controlled. That's maybe why she doesn't remember that that's a thing she did in the past. Maybe. But now, no, the, the explanation's much clearer. This is just a different per- This is a clone of that character. And that's why she is a very different person. Whatever. It is. It seems like it's just Jade in in name. Mm-hmm. I'm so whatever about this now. Like, it's why does the game industry have to monkey's paw everything? Why does it have to monkey's paw everything? I I feel like I caused this. I spent so long <laughs> asking where the fuck is Beyond Good and Evil Two, and I'm like, well, I got my monkey paws wish, didn't I? I think it speaks volumes about where the industry is now, that something like Beyond Good and Evil 2 has to now, in order to get a shot at being made, has to be so not uh, what it was. It's it's the Fallout 76 situation again. It's yeah. We've got to take away everything that makes this, this game what it is in order to satisfy, you know, whatever shareholder expectations we have. I, I have to say, I mean, for what it is, if you're looking at it as... um. If you just look at it as something separate to the to Beyond Good and Evil, it looks like it's got potential to be an enjoyable game. I will say, I watched that footage, and if it's not total bullshit, if it is a representation of what this game is going to be like, I don't doubt it's going to be a good, polished open-world game that will probably be worth playing on its own merits. And I here's the thing, I know I'm, I'm going to play it no matter what, because I can't not try but i expect a catch it's ubisoft i expect a catch it's certainly got a a very striking and unique art style and i i really liked like all the architecture in the cities that i was seeing and stuff looked very cool that's the problem is like the the visuals and the sound and there's so much about this that i look at and go this is what i was dreaming of but just it, the the mechanics and the things you're doing with the plot just like this this world looks like the right world, but oh. uh, the other thing that that came out of this was uh, there's also ship customization, which is very clearly like ah modules for your ship. That's going to be microtransactions. Um, I was chatting with my girlfriend about this, and she made the very very good point that I fucking guarantee you there will be a version of this game that you can pre-order where the pre-order exclusive will be because because it's. Create your own character. Jade. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it will yeah. be play as Jade. Play as looks like the original character model. And have her ship. Yeah, pretend you're playing it as Jade in the Beluga from the original game. That's going to be a pre-order bonus somewhere. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be like the Jade edition. And I will buy it. And I hate myself for that. Um, We haven't mentioned this to Jim, but you can pretty much create your character in this game. Yeah. And there's a bunch of different races and species there's like it's basically they're hybrids, they're animal humans, but I feel like you can like customize them with like metal limbs and stuff as well. And that that anytime you see something like that in a game nowadays, it just sets off alarm bells, doesn't it? Yeah. The thing that annoys me about that most, I think we maybe mentioned this last time we talked about the game, was I'm so much less interested because it's not a predefined player character. Like that those characters we keep saying and seeing in those cool CGI trailers are like, oh no, that's a character out in the world. You can look like them if you want, but you won't be them. Yeah. Apparently those characters and those cutscenes are from a time set before when you're playing. Yeah. Cause 
they mentioned they mentioned that the character they were using looked like that character because she was a descendant. Now, whatever that means. Yeah, it's there's a lot of talk of descendants and clones and a lot of things that just in my head go, this is a totally throwaway story when none of this is going to have any consequences and it's just nothing. It feels like they are downplaying the the canon of this narrative before it's even begun. Yeah. Uh, the continuing story of me paying attention to this game, even though I know it's not going to make me happy to do so. I mean, I, I, I will... I'm very cynical. I, I never trust Ubisoft. They do not deserve the benefit of the doubt. I'll give the game a chance when it's out, but I've, I've got no excitement or interest in it right now. I welcome them to prove me wrong. Sure. If they can prove me wrong, then I will I will be ecstatic if I like this game. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a good game is a good game. I'm going to turn it down. Even if I just think it's pretty good, I will be over the moon with that. I just... Right now, nothing is convincing me as a person that loved the original single-player, story-driven game. Because Ubisoft just can't make a game. It just seems incapable of making a game. It has to Ubisoft it up. Yeah. Like, Rayman Legends is the only one. Like, the Rayman games seem to be safe. Even then, for how long one wonders. Yeah. It's it's just a case of, like, the kind... I. I'm, I've been tuning into all of these, like, development live streams they've been doing. The first game is probably my favourite game of all time. If they can't get me interested, that's like... Really? You can't make me care about this? Uh... Yeah. So yeah, should we, do we want to talk briefly about some of the other game, the, the the other newsy things quickly that happened this week? Or on the complete other end, I was really excited by that Outer Worlds um, trailer and and gameplay that were shown off. Yeah, yeah, that looked pretty good. This is a, a a single player only, no microtransactions, stats, full dialogue system RPG by Obsidian. I mean. This is this has. I mean, if if I was too willing to bet on any game that would be cool over the next year, it's going to be that one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Obsidian must have been, if not laughing, at least in some way thrilled mm. when Fallout seventy six came out because they could not have asked for a better opportunity. Oh, the shade, the shade, the shade that was being thrown in that trailer. <laughs> yeah, like Bethesda handed them. A golden window of opportunity on a plate. Fallout 76 comes out, it's pretty much everything that isn't what people who enjoy the Fallout games look for. (laughs) And then The Outer Worlds is in development and it's everything they do want. Nor was it really anything that most people who didn't like Fallout wanted either. I mean, it was just... Yeah. Yeah. That for, for Fallout seventy six's woes have just gotten worse and worse. Like since since we last talked about it, Bethesda have accidentally like leaked the phone numbers, banking details, and home addresses of a bunch of people who were getting like replacement canvas bags to other people who were getting replacement canvas bags. Yeah, like that everything is going wrong for Bethesda. It, it could things couldn't be worse for them. And then this game shows up and goes, oh, hey, we'll just we'll just steal your thunder quickly. Yeah, I mean, I like to do uh, post-mortems of certain notable AAA disasters. Um, I'm scared to start one on Fallout 76, because I did that video six times Bethesda was massively incompetent. And then <laughs> the canvas bag thing happened. 
And then the the leaking thing happened. Now Outer Worlds has happened. And it's like, I'm not sure if the train wreck will stop. It's like the train already went off the rails, but it's plowed into a village already. And it's left the village and is headed for a school. And I, I just, I'm scared to put into stone, like, here's a post-mortem of it. Because I don't know when this will, when the humiliation conga line for Fallout 76 will end. See, I'm just waiting for those canvas bags to get shipped out and there's like a little like note, like a little tag inside. It's like, oh, they did already make them. They just didn't want to send them to us. Here's, here's evidence inside the bag that they were made already and they just didn't send them. Or, like, there's going to be shit like that still. They were different bags. I, I know, I know. Like, But they had the canvas. I'm, I'm hypothetically throwing out like, h- how could they fuck up even more yeah uh um yeah they it's amazing but outer worlds looks good i mean the game awards happened the game adverts as i call them happened um i liked the bit where there were commercials in between the trailers because it was just commercials between commercials that there were two things in the game awards that i thought were like for, for me were the two things that were worth watching which was uh sonic fox winning best esports player which was just Getting to watch this gay black furry walk up on screen, uh, up on stage, nervously accept his award, and then go fuck you, uh, conservatives. And I was like, I like you. You're cool. And then that fucking Joker for uh, for Smash reveal, which okay, Nintendo fucking pulled that one out the park, not that one out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it certainly expands the realm of what might be in Smash in the future with yeah. that upcoming stuff. And we'll have to talk about Smash before this show's done, because I'm surprised yeah. we've gone... People are probably wondering, like, we're almost at the half-hour mark, and people might be wondering where Smash is. We'll get to it, don't worry. We'll get there. Um, but yeah, like, Reggie, during the Game Awards, was like, this is representative of what we're going to do with the DLC for this. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. They're trying to be very surprising. I, I am ready for five DLC characters that are, like, exclusives to other consoles that would make no sense, but they somehow got. Yeah, I'm, I my plug for that was Minecraft Steve. Yeah, I still think that's happening. Justin thinks Master Chief, which is not unreasonable to assume. They have a, a good relationship now, it seems, Nintendo and Microsoft. I think that both Minecraft Steve and Banjo-Kazooie are... I think they're both in the running. I think both of them are very possible. Banjo-Kazooie could be a very, yeah. Um, Crash Bandicoot or Spyro. Yeah. I'd be interested in either one. Yeah. I don't even want to guess at this point because Joker has made me go like, I I don't even know where to begin guessing now. Yeah. Uh, You could have given me a week. Straight week. every The full 24 hours of it and I don't think I'd have... I'd have thought Joker. Yeah. Uh, last bit of news very quickly before we maybe get on to talking some Smash. Uh, other fighting game, Street Fighter V now gives you the option to earn extra in-game currency if you put adverts for, like, season passes and DLC on your, your character's outfit and on billboards in the background of your fights. Yeah. We're heading towards, you know, oh, you died, here's a 30-second ad to watch and you can pick up where you left off. In paid games, yeah. The 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 free to play mobile ad ad model, <sighs> and it's if if people think that's a wild assumption or or you know guess, we saw it happen with microtransactions that we now have full free to play mobile economies in our yeah. premium games. I'm I would not put it past the industry to start whacking in. Act 
actual commercials. This is the first test because mm-hmm. it starts with adverts for the game for things in the game you're playing. Then it becomes adverts for things outside of the game you're playing, and then we've we've made it. But yeah, yeah and it can it can and does happen. Yeah. Like as much as I loved Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the 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 microtransaction in that game to get to speed up your resources for your ship that was like some grade A level bullshit. Oh yeah. Yeah, and they they have um, the NBA Two K games. Their their splash screen, or sorry, their store screen rather, is indistinguishable from a mobile game, right down to the best deal sticker on on the lump sum microtransaction amount. Yeah, it's a side by side comparison, and it looks like it could be from something like you know tapped out or any number of free-to-play MMOs. I I don't know if there's anything more to say on it, but it just felt important to bring up because this is a thing we should maybe, as a as as an industry watch out for. I'm probably doing the next Jimquisition on it because I've got... I did a little video on the situation and and everything, but I, I do... I, I, this is not a good precedent to set. Uh, yeah. To set, rather. This is something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Well, with that, with that out the way, should we talk a bit about the games we played this week? Because I do not see why not. We we got we got some good ones. Um, I didn't get to say it, but oh yeah, I was really happy in in Outer Worlds to see that there are like um speech options depending on your skills. Oh yeah. And there's a. One of them was a dumb option. Did you see that? Yes. I think that's going to be really fun. That's harking back to Fallout 2. I think they're going to have to be careful to do it in a way that's not kind of mean-spirited. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I think it, it it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun to play that way as well. Yeah. I am excited by the concept. They know what they're doing. They, they've got to know the golden opportunity they have to give people what they're starving for. Like, it's a starvation issue here in terms of genre and, mm. and that style of game. Uh, we've not had one in a long time. Because all the all the big um, devs who all the big devs who are so good with those RPGs are just they aren't making them right now. You know, yeah, kind of disappointing. Well, certainly the ones still beholden to you know big publishers, they're doing. They're not really making the games they're good at making. Yeah. They're, they're being put onto projects that, you know, one would argue they've got no business being involved with because it's not their forte. But it's got to be everyone's forte now because it's they want all their games to be the same, more or less. I would love to see what um what Larian Studios could come up with if they were given a big budget to do, like, um a 3D game as opposed to a isometric one. Yeah. But then again, you never know. That might... Uh, be their ruin. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Alright, should we get on to that Smash? Yeah, I mean, I've got no problem with smashing it up. How how you been getting on with Smash Bros, Jim? It's brilliant. It, I love it. Laura, I love how you just automatically know that I haven't played it. <laughs> <laughs> well, to pull back the curtain, I asked you before we recorded what you'd played this week, and you, you yeah. told me you hadn't played anything new, so... Even if I hadn't told you, you'd probably still know I haven't I played would have Smash. guessed. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have expected you yeah. played Smash. I would have expected a more Fallout or, you know, a yeah. replay, um... But yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you you enjoying that smash then? I love it. I love it. I've got caveats. I've got yeah issues. But I'll you know I'll get onto them in a moment. I will just say, I haven't stopped playing it since it came out on Friday. I yeah. unlocked all of the characters um, Monday. I think finally got them all uh, over the weekend. It 
it's been the first thing to pull me away from Pokemon since that came out. Yeah, I have kind of left Pokemon in the dust for a while. Um... I'm still going with Pokemon. I'm up to, I think, 98 out of 150 shinies. I'm still on me, me quest. I haven't stopped. That's wild. But I'm not grinding for them as incessantly as I was. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm, I'm too busy learning how to use an Inkling, because Inklings are really fun. <laughs> Yeah, the Inkling's fun. All the new characters are great. I, I yeah. fell in love with um, Simon slash Richter. I, yeah. I called Simon Richter in the, my fucking video. I hate that I did that, but either one, since their Echo Fighters works. I, I really like the whole thing with uh, with the Belmonts of trying to keep your enemies at a distance so that you're hitting them with the end of the whip to get that really strong smash in. Yeah. That's super satisfying. The whole uh, projectile keep away game you've got with all those throwing options. Um, the only the only one so far that I haven't clicked with of the new roster is Isabel, and I think I just haven't quite worked out her deal yet. She's a strange one. Yeah, yeah, because all of her attacks are um, they she's got a lot of very close attacks. Um, uh, but then that fishing rod gives her a lot of distance. The the fishing rod clears things away from her, but it doesn't really feel like it has that impact that I find satisfying from a good hit. Yeah, that's sort of something you've got to save until you're like, it, it's something. It's something that's got a very specific use. Yeah, I'm still working Isabel out, but uh, the Inklings. I'm loving the the speed, the recovery. Um, I love the 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 splat roller that sort of knocks them into the ground, so you've got a second to get a good smash hit in. Um, I really like that whole ink mechanic. Yeah, that was. I like that they converted that from Splatoon. Yeah. I, I do have one question. I've not worked out yet. Is there any way to, to manually recharge the ink if you're not yet empty on ink? Uh, or can you only recharge your ink when you're 100% out? I've been recharging it at any time. Because I've been trying to hold B, and it only see Like, holding B will shoot your gun unless you're out of ink and then you dip underground. Oh, you got to hold... Um, oh, is it down or up? you got to tilt to do it. Oh, okay. I... It might it might refill when you're out automatically then if you press the button but yeah you can tilt and do it. Yeah, I thought down B was was the uh, the ink bombs and up B was the oh, fire you up. I, I I forget that I changed the controls cuz I can't handle the default. Okay, I'll I'll mess around a bit. Maybe I have just put my maybe I just have missed the control for that. Yeah, it's a it's a tilt thing. Yeah, I wasn't working out how to recharge my ink when I wasn't 100% out, but I've still been really digging them. Yeah. Um, this is a, this is a really good Smash game. Um, yeah. yeah. Have, have you have you played much of World of Light? Yes. I'm curious what you think about it. Um, let's see, where was I with... I'm, I'm up to the point where I've unlocked the three gates. I, I have made it past there as well. I'm, I'm doing my, my clear up. So, two things. Yeah. Actually, I'll talk about the positives first. Um, it is very uh, addictive. There's a ton of content, uh, and it is fun to collect the the spirits and everything. Hmm. Um, I found myself wanting to play it a lot, hmm. uh, and I I love the design of the map. Um, it's very straightforward, but it works well for Smash. Uh, often their single player campaigns have been a bit contentious, but this is just here are a lot of battles with a lot of conditions. Yeah, across this. Richard Scary Busy Town map. I saw someone compare it to that. There's some fun gimmicks in there. It's it's a, it's a good laugh at times. But then two things. Uh, mm. One is 
And this this affects uh, other parts of Smash as well, the AI, which they've um, improved. And that's fine. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people welcome that, I understand. You know, it's uh, a lot of hardcore Smash players are into that. I What I loved about previous Smash Brothers, and especially the Smash that this is based on, the, the 3DS mm. Wii U one, was just how just how accessible it was. Um, it was basically a Burger King have it your way situation. At any skill level, at any type of experience, you could hop in and have a good laugh with it. This is a, a bit less geared toward that, as evidenced by the fact that if you're unlocking characters outside of World of Light, they get harder and harder as you unlock more, mm. to the point where sometimes it's just not fun. I... Here's the thing. I will I will give you that taking away that flexibility and choice over difficulty is not a positive thing. I will say for myself, it hasn't been a problem because like I played enough of Smash uh, Smash Four on Wii U and 3DS that like I was not finding the level nine uh, AI. And as much of a challenge as I would have liked. And because of that, I've been really enjoying World of Light. Like, I I love the whole thing of the creative ways that they use their limited roster and limited set of tools to create encounters that feel like they are encounters with um, other enemies who aren't in the game. Uh, one that really stuck out to me that I keep bringing up is uh, Metal Gear Ray, where they took a Greninja made it metal, and then had it throw a bunch of bombs. And I was like, that's the perfect shape. I never noticed. Oh yeah, some of that is fucking clever. Some of that stuff is really clever. Some of the limitations placed on fights have been really tough challenges that I've found, like, just challenging enough that, like, occasionally there'll be one where I have to fight it over and over for maybe an hour, and I'll Jesus. be really happy that I eventually get over it. But I have a different reaction to some of them. That, that is entirely fair to each their own, but I, I've cleared probably about two-thirds, maybe three-quarters of the, the overworld on World of Light, and I'm still really digging it. Um, right. I'm going to be really sad when I finish that content. Now... I fully acknowledge I'm not a good Smash player. I'm not I'm not all that good at it. I'm better now than I was when I started playing this on Friday. Um it, I had to get I had to take a lot of getting uh, back into it cuz I don't stick with games uh, cuz I've always got to move on to the next one. Yeah. So I was very out of practice with Smash. Um I've gotten to grips with it again and I'm doing way better now than I was when I first played it. The first basically the weekend had moments in it that were utter hell for me. Really cursing and screaming and obscene hurling obscenities at the TV. Um and not in a fun way sometimes. Yeah. Uh, there were certain points where I'm just like, I'm straight up not having fun with this. Uh I'm a lot better now than I was, you know, I'm I'm starting to do what I was doing uh before I stopped playing on the 3DS and Wii U where I'm now com like happier to ramp up the intensity in in battles and Put, put the difficulty up again. Um, but I had to whack them down lower than I did last time before I got to the stage I'm at now. And personally, and it is just personal, some of those conditions I feel are straight up mean. Straight up mean. Wh which ones? Right. 
I'll start with one that I did in order to help me do the other one. There was one mean one that I eventually got lucky with, and it gave me a spirit with an ability that helped me with the other one that was also mean. Okay. And and a lot of this comes down to, it's hard enough with these three conditions, you don't need that one as well. Where it was like, if they just removed one of them, it would feel a lot less just straight up bullying. <laughs> I'm curious if it's one of the ones I had a difficulty with. Which one are you on about? One was to get the Pauline spirit. Mm, the Pauline one is, is mm, yeah, that is a notably tough one. Utter piss. Yeah. Not fun. Just not fun. And it's one of those ones it's hard enough because Peach is running around. You've, got, you've only got to beat Peach, but she will not engage you in combat. She's running around. You are then assaulted by Mario... Who starts with a hammer, <laughs> and then Donkey Kong, who is giant. Your jumping is limited. It's on the Donkey Kong stage, which is full of pits to fall down. And then they give you an incredibly tight time limit to do it. And that's where I'm like, just remove one of these. You didn't need all of them. I agree with you. That one was not well balanced. Um, I ended up getting through that by... Ma uh, I think I picked, like, Marth or someone. Someone with a big overhead sword swing. Uh, made myself giant. Um, got straight over to, like, corner Peach before she could run away. And did big overhead swings while giant so that she couldn't get past me to go run on the other side. That dealt enough early damage that once I had my final smash meter built up, I could do one final smash and take her out. Yeah. Also, none of these battles need the enemy's smash to build up as quick as it does. Yeah, you can get spirits that will stop them building final smash at all. Oh yeah, you get the jammer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then it's not needed on top of everything else. I will agree that that one was overkill. Like, that was... When I say, like, occasionally one might take me up to an hour, that's the one I'm referring to. I I, I did it inside of an hour, but it wasn't through skill. Peach just fell down a hole. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'll fucking take it. I tried many, many strategies before I found one that was working. Yeah. And here's the thing. I do like that there are... These spirits you can equip give you all sorts of different abilities. And it can help, and it's interesting to come up with different combinations to deal with different challenges. Yeah. That is interesting. But again, some of them are just, and, and you know, you get more rewards if you don't even use them. So they should at least be balanced for that. Yeah. I, I do not know how that would be possible. Um, but anyway, once I got that, um, the Pauline thing, where if you shield, enemy attacks heal you. Yeah. By a bit, but you know, enough. I was able to take that to get to the other one. That I fucking hated. What's the other one you hated? I can't even believe I managed to beat this one in the end. Because even with help it was tough. It was the Dr. Wily one. Where it's... You, t you fight not one Metal Mega Man. Not two Metal Mega Men. Not three Metal Mega Men. Not four Metal Mega Men. Not five, not six, not seven. But eight Metal Mega Men in a row. Two on one at all times. I didn't remember that one being very tough. I fucking hated that one. So eight Metal Mega Men all at the one time, so you fight Slipknot then. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hated that one. It's nine! Gavin, there's nine people in Slipknot! Just wait, just wait first. You're halfway through <laughs> typing it before I even got that in there. Did, did you find the spirit that uh, basically neutralises the metal effect? Um, I had the, the Metal Killer. Where you deal more damage. With that and um, 
inkling doing the splat roller to just like run back and forth and knock some some percentage back up. I didn't have terribly bad time with with that one. Oh, uh, maybe it was maybe it was just the the fighters I was choosing to use. Yeah. I eventually went with Bowser. Um, I mean, Bowser's my main anyway. Yeah. Um, but Bowser with Fi equipped as a spirit mm. is great because Fi, if I recall correctly, ups your neutral special, and and I think that's the fire that Bowser does. I certainly noticed the yeah 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 that it, that is neutral B. Yeah, in uh, stamina battles especially, which this one was, where you've just got to knock their HP down. Yeah, with Fi on. You hold down, and their health goes down so fucking quick. And that's helped me a lot with Warriors of Light overall. Which I keep calling it Warriors of Light. World of Light overall is Bowser and Fi. Uh, they help me just breeze through a lot of them. The one that's been really helping me is um, the spirit that lets you go in with the lips stick as your starting weapon, because that oh, yeah. drains that drains stamina once you've hit someone with it. And it makes cons- like later hits with that weapon do more damage and smash them further. Yeah, that's a weapon I've See, loved. And here's where we're getting, here's where we're getting to the stuff where I can really praise it. Yeah, um, because it is like these combinations, uh, finding the legendary spirits. There's a little bit of a trading card collectathon idea in it, even though they they don't really behave like trading cards. Um, just collecting the different characters, leveling them up, and finding just that perfect combination, not just for the fight that you're on, but f- for your character that you're yeah. using. The one that you just really like using. Also, if you're doing if you're gonna have a lava floor or an electric floor or a sleepy floor, don't cheat and let the enemies be immune to it, you cheating bastards. <laughs> I was on one that was a time limit battle Zelda was just chilling down there. And again, I know yeah. you can get spirits that negate it, but this was an early one and I didn't have the right one. Yeah. Bastard, she was just <laughs> chilling down there, letting the timer run out. <laughs> uh, like, here's the thing. World of Light is not perfect by any means, but it's also, like, it's the most engaged I've been in the battle mechanics of a Smash single player in a long time. Yeah. Like, you know, I might miss the cutscenes of a Subspace Emissary, but half the time Subspace Emissary was not actually helping me improve at Smash. It was do a weird platforming side-scrolling thing and whatever. I have been loving all of these weird themed fights. It is very clever. It's it's a very cleverly designed, uh, even though some of those fights do not feel all that play tested to me <laughs> some of them are some of them i will admit like the pauline one are poorly balanced but it has not stopped me having fun <laughs> yeah it's just a few of them i just feel like it's one condition too many yeah um and and especially when they're the ones that you haven't been warned about before you go in like i don't think that pauline one ever tells you it doesn't have the, you know, enemy prefers not to engage thing. Which I think is because they threw so many fucking conditions in there, they ran out of room. <laughs> I, the, 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 my main takeaway, though, is, like, I know that there's not a huge amount of, like, new characters and new stages in this. I've really not cared. It runs beautifully, it looks really nice, it plays well. I am loving the new characters they've thrown in. Yep. I mean, it's it's so full of content as well. Like, yeah. I was discovering things in menus that I'd missed. And I'm like, oh, there's another mode that I could try out, you know? I, I Yeah, there are so many modes I haven't even touched yet. Um, 
I really like the whole thing that if you fail to get a new challenger, they're like after a, maybe five minutes, it'll pop up a little gate, and it's like, do you want to ju- just go retry them? They're over there. That was a saving grace. That that mitigated some of how infuriating I found the ramping up of yeah. difficulty. Uh, the fact that you can go back. Um, because it was a shame, because I, I, I told you on the Friday, you know, I love the, the new challenger siren. I didn't mind unlocking every character, because I love that. Of that, oh, shit, something's about to go down. Yeah. Whereas in this one, after a while, it was more, oh, shit, well, now I'm just going to be annoyed in a minute, and I'll have to go get them a second time. I also loved how quickly they were popping up. Like, every ten minutes, here's another character. I unlocked it quicker than I thought I would, because I don't play religiously all day long. Um, but to get it on Monday, I thought I'd be, I thought I would still be unlocking them now. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the thing is like, I, I, I'm confident I'll have them all unlocked before my friends come around to do a big game, game day we're going to do. So like, I'm not worried. Yeah, it's, it's good. Um, I cheesed it a bit, you know, I was doing like, you know, uh, one stock matches against rank one AI to just breeze through. If you want to get it quickly, the way to do it is, um, Single stock, enter the match, throw yourself off the side of the cliff, get your challenger, like your challenger to pop up, then restart the game or change the language, go back in and do another single stock match, you'll once again get a character. Yeah. Like you, you can get a character like every two to three minutes. I didn't choose it that much, um, but I was also using that time to practice at Smash anyway and get, get myself back up to speed. That's it. You you can cheese it more if you want, but even just naturally, it's like every ten minutes if you're just playing normal smash smash matches, you can get get them. And it's it's damn good. I mean, it overall it is a damn. I've got my grievances, and Spirit Board can fuck off as well. Because I've not if even I'm touched Spirit Board yet, basically, it's similar to Warrior. I said Warriors again. It's similar to World of Light in the. But without the map, you know, there are these spirit cards that pop up and you fight in order to to earn it. Some of those are also fucking tough. There's one uh, which I've not gotten yet, which is, um, it's one of the Belmonts, I think, Richter, um, or it could be Simon, it don't matter. One of the Belmonts with Alucard with them as the assist. And, and they are so fucking aggressive <laughs> um, that I've, I've, I've got to... And, and the thing is, is I can't just practice at it with the like you can in World of Light because once they're gone, they're gone. You got to wait for them to pop up again in the rotation. The, ah. the spirits are only there for like a couple of minutes at a time, um, and you got to get them quick. But it's again one of these things of it's hard enough. You didn't need to make it. Yeah. They didn't need to throw in this extra thing. Even if you win one of those fights, you're not guaranteed to get the spirit because then. You're given a gun, <gasps> and the spirit is <laughs> tied to the uh, the character you just fought, who's now all greyed out, and surrounded by a circular shield that, with a gap in it that is spinning round and round and round. <laughs> and of course, the tougher the cards, the harder the fight, and the faster the spin, and the, the, the lower your chances of getting it. So it's like, you might have to fight that same fight again. To get that opportunity to shoot again. And and there have been a few I've missed. I've, I've, I had a hard one fight. Missed with the gun. Uh, and they're not all that hard 
for a lot of them, but sometimes they, they go so fast. Uh, and if you miss, you can pay gold to get it, get another shot, but then it goes even faster as far as I've been able to tell. And then it's like, I, I feel, I feel wholeheartedly unrewarded by this. I, I haven't tried that mode yet, but I will keep that in mind. I gave up on the split reports. I'm like, this is not fun for me. I'm I'm not even going to touch it until I finish World of Light cuz World of Light is my obsession right now. But yeah, it's a it's a brilliantly put together game. Like I've got my misgivings about some of the balance. Um but you know, the more I practiced the better I got and yeah. and the less that became an issue, but there are still some issues with that AI that have flared up where I'm like this is I'm not having fun with this element. But then again with so much fucking in there with your classic smash and your your horde battles and your or just all of it there's just so much there is so much video game in here and it's all pretty good it says something that at least for the first weekend i was having an easier time online than i was against the fucking ai uh, <laughs> as, as someone who isn't all that good although my my current way of playing multiplayer is to what i did last night where i started the online Pick Bowser, who's my best one. Um, won it pretty well, actually. Uh, won it, saved to the replay, because of course, and then instantly quit out of multiplayer and not play it again for the rest of the day to stay in a good mood. Oh, one thing about that replay system, just to like alert you and also all the listeners, uh, there is going to be an update to Smash uh, sometime in the next week. We don't know exactly when. Yeah. Uh, when that update happens... If you haven't exported your replays as videos, they will go away. Yeah, which sucks. Well, I, I get why it happens. Replays, when you haven't exported them as a video, are basically a series of button presses and timings that are saved, and it will just redo the match. Yeah. Obviously, if they rebalance the moves, the match may play out differently with the same button inputs, which is obviously, yeah. I get it. Yeah. That makes sense. But it sucks because the video that you export is, even if you do the, there are only two options is you're pretty and you're not so pretty. Um, even if you save it as a pretty video, it's still artifacty and a bit rubbish. Yeah. But I saved it because I got that warning after I saved the replay. They throw a pop-up that's like, this will be gone uh, next week. So I did save it as a video just because I'm conceited and I like having at least a little bit of proof that sometimes I'm not dreadful. Uh, but yeah, I have my, my capture card hooked up to my work PC all the time anyway. So once a week, I'm, I'm just like dropping my switch in the dock, recording my, my replays and then going away. But it, the, the pretty video is fine enough that I can be like, look, I did all right. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it is a thing to bear in mind. Like, Smash updates are not going to be as regular as once a week, you know, once we get going a little bit. But at, at the beginning, there's going to be some bal some regular balancing. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's a very complete feeling game. Um, I still have issues with calling a game Ultimate when there's DLC attached to it. Yeah. Um, it's not Ultimate. Or, you know, we see this with Complete Editions, Ultimate Editions, all of this shit. That's a video I've got to make at some point, even though it's one big semantic argument. I agree with you, but also I'm not going to complain about Joker. Well, no, I mean, I'm not complaining <laughs> overall about the DLC um, so much. Yeah, it's, it, it is weird naming convention considering there's DLC. Um, yeah. um, it is one of the few times I've I've 
found the concept of DLC exciting. It's been a long time since that's happened. I don't think DLC yeah. as a concept is inherently bad. Um, I just feel it's been abused and exploited yeah. and mutated over the years by a lot of publishers. Um, this and the DLC for Spider-Man, which I've not played yet, um, are two examples this year of DLC that I've actually been excited about seeing. Yeah. Uh, quickly, I've got a couple of other games that I just want to quickly rattle through that I've been really digging this week. Um, yeah. I I got my PlayStation VR headset back this week and I've been catching up on some VR games that I had intended to put some time into and hadn't really gotten around to. Uh, Tetris Effect is fucking brilliant in VR. Uh, out of VR, eh, it's alright. It's, it's Tetris. It's a Tetris game. There's some visual effects happening. There's some nice music. I haven't played it, but that game has one of the cleverest uses of sound and music I've ever seen. Yeah. So this is the thing, is... Every time you, like, move or rotate your Tetris block, uh, it, it's obviously not happening exactly the time you push the button, but it's close enough that it feels like it is. It'll make notes that feel... Like, they'll be in time with the music, and they'll feel like they're in time with your pressing. It's very clever. Um, that sort of add to the music, and the music sort of builds up as you progress through the number of lines you've got to clear. Like, the the, the use of music is really clever. Um... They, they do a very good job of using the soundtrack to make you, without looking at like the percentage, know how far through a level you are. The only other game I've seen that do that in that way actually was Wind Waker. Yeah. Where the music would the music would swell up as you hit the enemies. Yeah, it it does feel very very Wind Waker esque in its soundtrack usage. Um, but like it was a pretty and nice sounding Tetris game on the telly. Played it in VR, it was a whole other fucking experience. Um. The, the basic deal is the PlayStation VR headset has got like a 90 frames a second refresh rate. So it's, it's, you, you're seeing a bit faster what's going on, on on the screen. I wouldn't have thought that would have made a difference, but on the faster speeds, I'm definitely keeping up better. The other thing is by sort of putting the game all around you, I have personally found it a lot easier to focus on the game and tune out all the other stuff going on. Um, I sometimes struggle to to ignore extraneous stuff going on around the game and put me in VR and just being like, here's just a void that you can exist in. There's Tetris. Cool music is happening. Go. I've been doing pretty dang well. Um, I am up to the final level of the game, which is like a 10 minute long uh, level, which I keep getting like, almost there and i'm so close um i keep finding myself just like i'll lose myself for 45 minutes at a time and then be like oh yeah my alarm went off i should probably uh, get on with with life <laughs> but te tetris in vr is really bloody good like i i'm usually just uh, i'll play tetris if it's there and i'll enjoy it but i i wouldn't ever go seek it out yeah tetris effect in vr has really like uh, I'm very into it. I've got to talk about a game. Ooh. Um, specifically, I've I've got to ask you, Laura. Have you played a game called The Hex? No. Oh, what's what's the Hex? This is one of my Laura needs to play this games. Okay, you've been pretty like bang on with these recommendations. I feel I have. <laughs> First of all, and this should appeal to certainly a certain type of listener as well. I've only got to say this, and, and it will say a lot. It's from the makers of Pony Island. Oh, 
Okay. Mm-hmm. It came out in October and I missed it. But and, and I was pestered by some viewers to go play it. Um, and I'm glad I did before the end of the year because I've got something for the Jimquisition Awards to, to slot in um, at the last minute. It's brilliant. It is... To not give too much away because, again, it's, it gets very meta, uh, like Pony Island, but it's not a... It's not an attempt to capture lightning in the in, in, like twice. It's a very different type of meta. I'm watching a trailer and it looks very different. Okay, so is this like different video game character archetypes in a murder mystery? Sort of. Okay. Sort of. It starts. It dangles the murder mystery, and it is six distinct video game characters. Um, from six distinct genres. Yeah. Um, to give you a few examples, there's Super Weasel Kid, who is like a mascot platformer. Um, there is Chandrel, who is a, uh, a an RPG sorceress. And you go through each of these characters, basically going through their fall from grace and, and, and sort of what happened to send them to this inn at some discreet location. And each genre is... Just with the WASD keys and one mouse click, each genre is incredibly well represented. Mm. From platformer to fighting game to RPG, um, it's a game about predominantly about player feedback and how communities react to games and how games respond to those reactions. Uh, and there's a lot more thrown in. It skewers several um, developers and, and game styles and, and certain games, like specific games. It's... And, and I'll leave it at that because I don't want to give away too much. I did yeah. a Jim Impressions video that shows off some footage of it. But it is a hell of a game with an ending that had me cackling. It was so well done. Oh, all I really needed to know was it was from the Pony Island person. I have the page yeah, loaded yeah. up now, and I'm like, <laughs> I am, I am sold. I will try this. I'm, I'm putting together my game of the year content like as we speak. So I might play through this tonight. Like tonight might be my my chance to get through it. If you react how I think you're going to react, it should be a, a contender, I reckon, because it's, it's so fucking clever. I have no doubt that you know my tastes well enough that this will probably be a thing I'll really enjoy. Yeah, I think you will. So yeah, the Hex, I had to get that recommendation in there. Um, if you like all those too clever for their own good games, <laughs> this one is great. Yeah. Uh, really, really fucking good. Uh, so yeah, the Hex. Uh, definitely check it out. It's worth it. Gav, uh, you, you, you been playing anything this week? Nothing new. I just went back um, after the Dragon Age announcement. I went back to play some Dragon Age Inquisition again. Which, if I... I might be remembering this wrong, but wasn't that what we were all playing when we first started this podcast? I think it may have been. Yeah, because it yeah. was, was going to be my first review. Um, my first independent review after the, the I put Patreon up. But then I, I just didn't stick with it because I... I, I don't know why it just didn't hold my attention forever. I, I was into it for a bit and then just petered out. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, right at the beginning. Yeah, that that seems about right. I've just had a quick look. Very early on, we were playing that Dragon Age Inquisition. There you go now. Gosh, yeah, that's... Was that really four years ago, that game? Jeez. Yeah. 
It's crazy, isn't it? That's yeah. that's that's how long it's been since we got um, a Bioware game that most people were like, "Yeah, this is really cool." Yeah. Oh, that's that's weird to think about. Has its uh, has its issues. Um, vi- funny enough, visually, it has not dated. I find this with Bioware games; they don't date well visually in certain areas, like the animation and stuff can be quite awkward. But uh, the environments and stuff still look really nice and uh, a certain character still sounds very nice. (laughs) (laughs) Just you Uh, and me, no Inquisition, no sounds. Just us together. I need to go back and play some of the last decade or so of Bioware stuff at some point. So does Electronic Arts. You know what's funny, Laura, about that? As much as Mass Effect up until the last five minutes of the third game was like my favorite series, there's each of the three games has one thing that prevents me from going back and playing them. In Mass Effect 1, it's the kind of planet traveling. Hmm. In Mass Effect 2, it's the fact that if you want to get the good ending, you have to spend hours and hours hovering that little scanner over the planets. (laughs) And in Mass Effect 3, well, we all know what it is in that one, so... It's weird. I wonder will they ever remaster the three games and kind of maybe... If they remaster them, I can't imagine they'll change anything mechanically, will they? I I, I doubt it, but mm. I I really want to go back and replay that trilogy at some point. Like, I, yeah. I kind of want to go through and do it with my girlfriend and just, like, we'll make the decisions together as we go through. I kind of fancy revisiting it. Yeah, that could be awesome. Might be a nice thing to do over Christmas while I've got some time. Yeah. Yeah. Is that about it, or we got anything else? Uh, let's see for me, I think. Yeah, I don't think I played... I tried... Very quickly tried Pillars of Eternity, which seems pretty cool so far, but I'm not really far in to really comment on it. I, I don't have anything particularly notable to say, but I started playing Beat Saber, which is that uh, VR game with the, the lightsabers, where you slash the musical notes as they fly at you. I've had a lot of people um, telling me about that, because they've been making... They've been putting my songs in it. And whenever they tell me that, I don't know what it means, but I'm like, cool. <laughs> Basically, they they put their the, the version of your song that they have as a download on their computer. They tell the game, like, hey, here's where a piece of music is. Like, listen to it and analyze it and try and make a beat pattern to it. They cool. might manually go in and tweak it so that it fits better with the song. But generally, it's it's just beat matching. Cool. It's the way a lot of games like uh, like audio audio surf and stuff like that do it. It it's a it's a very fun game. I've been having a lot of fun slashing up music. Someone make a, a beat saber of messing with the best. Our intro song that would be cool. Oh yeah. And share share it with me, and I'll I'll tweet it around. <laughs> yeah, no, it it is very fun to get very energetic and slice up music with lightsabers. Cool. But yeah, that's everything I've got this week. Then should we should we do a wrap up? Yeah, sounds good to me. Laura, how would you like to wrap up by telling people about the things on the internet? How's that? All? What? Yeah, please. Who? What thing? What me? Uh, Laura K Buzz, pretty much everywhere. Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, all those places. Uh, I've got a couple of books. You can find things I learned from Mario's butt, which is on Unbound. Uh, that'll be out sometime, hopefully, first half issue next year. I have finished writing my section. I'm doing some sorting out contributing bits the next, like, six weeks or so. Uh, I've also got a memoir coming out in July next year called Uncomfortable Labels. I'm on Dice Funk, which is the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition real play podcast. I'm on seasons 3, 4, and 5. They're all self-contained stories. 
I'm also on Queer and Pleasant Strangers, which is a podcast I do with with my fiance, where we do silly voices and skits and just try and have a bit of a giggle. Uh, I think that's it. Sounds good. And Gavin, you do the music. Yeah. I've heard the music. It's very good music. How can other people hear this very good music, please? You can hear it on YouTube under Miracle of Sound. You can hear it under Spotify, in which I got my numbers back this year. And I got 71 million Spotify streams this year. So that's fucking amazing. Thanks for that, everyone. In 65 different countries. That's what blows my fucking mind. That's what blows my mind about the internet in general. And I'm sure it's the same for you two with your vids. Like the people who watch and consume our stuff are like on the other side of the world to us sometimes. In places we might not even know exist. (laughs) I think that's amazing. You know? Yeah. I, I recently found out that, like, my brother who lives on the other side of the world, someone he works with, their son listens to this podcast, and that was a weird, like, oh, okay, that's... life is weird. <laughs> that's fucking cool. <laughs> um, you can also find my um, my album, which is just finishing being mastered now, will be coming out next week, so I'll, I'll plug it again then, but it's a collection of all my work from 2018. Brilliant. So, uh, yeah. And Miracle of Sound on Twitter, Miracle of Sound on Instagram. Uh, I think that's, yeah, that's everything. Alrighty. Um, not a lot from me. You know, all of my stuff on the internet. Uh, that'll do, won't it? We'll see you next time. Thank you all for listening. I uh, hope we'll see you again next week. And that's that. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.